<laughs> I am very excited to have the cast and director of this theme that's going to be performed on behalf of the uh, UH Theater Department's late night um, series, I guess it is. And what happens, maybe some of you can explain what late night is, but as I understand it, it's usually the performance schedule after the main stage performance. So it's kind of like a sneaky way in. And for me, I feel like this late night thing also um, suggests something that's a little bit more daring, something that is not necessarily mainstream. We can dig into some deep, deeper, uh, darker issues, maybe more experimental, um, things that are not um, so well crafted at this stage, but something interesting enough to um, put forth for us to address and to um, contemplate on, on what, what the issues are being addressed. And so I, again, am delighted to have the cast and director here of a scene written by me. <laughs> uh, it's called The Unruly Chinese Woman, Woman excuse me. And uh, it takes place in the segregated South of Augusta, Georgia. So let's start with the introduction of you wonderful people. Um, Jordan, the director, why don't you start? Uh, hi, I'm Jordan Jackson. I'm directing this lovely play. Um, I'm a senior at UH Manoa studying ACM, which is film and American studies, uh, but almost done. So I just wanted to take a crack at directing to get my foot in the door, you know, to do more creative projects down the line. Cool. Thanks. Allison? Hi, uh, I'm Allison. Last name is hyphenated Bruce Maldonado, but I just go by Maldonado. Um, I'm playing Mrs. Taylor or Aunt Jenny, depending on who's talking uh, in this play. Uh, um, I'm kind of like a junior, but an older senior at UH. Um, I actually just returned last fall after like almost a four year break because uh, uh, I was in the military and I just had a lot of deployments and I just couldn't keep up with school. So I just decided to drop out my senior year because I needed to finish up my military career. So now I'm back. So I'm a, like um, Jordan, I'm a double major with a minor. So I'm majoring in ACM animation and also theater and minoring in art, uh, specifically photography. So. We'll see. I'm just trying to use up my GI Bill before it disappears. <laughs> but hopefully I'll, um, I'm trying to get out of um, school next year so I can grow up and do something else with my life. Oh, you don't want to grow up yet. <laughs> no, that's good. Thank you. Okay, who's next? Uh, Christian? Hi, uh, my name is Christian Wells. I'm a junior at UH Manoa and I'm studying, I'm majoring in communication and minoring in theater. Cool. Thank you. And last but not least, Shoshiko. Hi, I'm Shoshiko. Um, I'm currently a senior majoring in biology and I play the role of Pearl. And you want to mention that you're not in Hawaii, Shoshiko? You're the only one who's not here. Yes, I'm currently in New Zealand. Yeah, just a few miles away. Right. Okay, <laughs> so let's, um, well, welcome. And why don't we start by just kind of uh, you sharing this process of, first of all, working through COVID times and virtually rehearsing and, and Jordan, this being your first crack at it and having to deal with this kind of, um, you know, virtual space to rehearse. How do you all communicate? What are some thoughts in this process for all of you? 
Well, the main way we would communicate, obviously, is like through email. And uh, we would get most of our communication done like during the actual rehearsal because we knew that's when we were all the most free. Uh, it was pretty easy once like um, a few rehearsals went by and we got comfortable with each other. Um, I'm sure, of course, it would have still been easier if we all did it in person. I mean, I would have loved to just been physically on stage and got to meet everyone in person, but uh, we made do with what we had and it it went pretty great. And um, especially towards the end, we all got comfortable. There was a lot of laughing and uh, I think we all made something that we could be proud of. That's great to hear. Does anybody want to explain a little bit of the story uh, surrounding the scene so we give our listeners a sense of um, what you guys are working on? Um, I'll take a crack at that from my perspective as Aunt Jenny. So the scene that we, we are doing is apparently Aunt Jenny is, I believe she's taken with Pearl because she helps them, you know, even though she knows it's probably dangerous for her nephew, she helps them do this, you know, can I give the secret away, this secret date? Yeah. And she's fully participating in it. And she does, you know, have that moment where she does tell her nephew, you know, hey, you still have to be careful. But I'm I'm, I guess I'm fascinated with, by the fact that she is participating in it, which is for that time period is pretty, I think it says a lot, you know? Yeah. Well, let's give a little more uh, context to people who have no idea what we're talking about is um, this, this is basically um, a play I wrote in my process of researching because I'm doing a documentary of my grandmother who grew up in the Deep South during segregation. And so I'm exploring how the Chinese position kind of what, what you know, with this black and white narrative that we live in here, you know, to kind of disrupt that a little bit is what, what is, what's in between. So there's this Asian girl, um, you know, inspired by my grandmother's story growing up in the black neighborhood of Augusta, Georgia. And she would tell me about this going off and she had this secret date. So, you know, it kind of sparks my imagination of this, um, what, what if, like imagine during a time when you're not allowed to date outside your race, it's not only illegal, it's dangerous, and, but usually it's that black and white narrative. So what does it mean to have an Asian and, and African-American relationship, especially during that time? It's so unheard of. And so, um, we're trying to unpack those dynamics. And so maybe you can all, you know, build off of that and what you think the scene means to you or um, things that you learned in this process of, of being a part of the scene and trying to live these characters. What do you guys think? Um, yeah, I think it definitely teaches us, um, you know, the characters go against the social norms of dating within their culture. And I think it's an important way to show that um, these, the segregation laws that were present in the 1940s did heavily impacted these people and kept them so like close within their own cultures. And uh, the characters of Pearl and Cleveland, they kind of explore beyond that. And I think it's a really important um, project that just shows, yeah the power that that holds, yeah. 
Yeah, and like to go off of that, um, I definitely feel like it um it kind of gives you know shines a little light on how both uh, you know Cleveland and um, Cleveland and Pearl you know come for two different worlds you know come from two different backgrounds, but um, they're here having this secret dinner you know because um, they're they're taken by each other and like they both understand everything that's uh, banking on this dinner and how like if it were to come out that they were having it not they could both you know be in serious trouble because it's um, like you were saying something that um, wasn't wasn't happening during that time um, and so us you know having the chance to bring the scene alive and bring this moment alive for people I see was definitely something I'm happy to be a part of so. Was there anything that any of you particularly um, related to or maybe ch could share about your experience with um, racism in your lives? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. let's hear it. I mean, I know it's a really short time to, I don't wanna minimize that experience, but um, just some kind of reflection on how this resonates with you and kind of the context to the tensions we're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I know I'm the oldest here, so I mean, no, I, I am. <laughs> no, 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 no way. I mean, I can tell you a story. I want, I and like you said, I don't want to minimize it, but just off the top of my head, you know, the, as soon as I read the scene, it definitely speaks to me, and I hope it speaks to people who see the play that left on our own devices. We can all learn to be in each other's presence and and not fight because. I think the most important thing about the scene is that they are having a dialogue. They get very uncomfortable and then they take a breath and then they get dive back in, they take a breath. And I think for me, I'm looking at it at a layer of, that's how I have friends of all ethnicities is because I was willing to be uncomfortable. Uh, one of my dearest friends that I have, we've been friends for over 30 years. I don't think I knew her a year and we were sitting down and I'll never forget it in a Burger King having dinner uh, like burgers with other friends. And she goes, yeah, I know uh, I grew up in Kalihi and, you know, we had a lot of and she used the N word. We had a lot of N words that live next door to me. So everyone at the table just stopped eating and she was just going on. She didn't think anything about it. And she just kept going. And I go and she was a white girl. And I go, Sherry, you can't say that. And as soon as I said it, because I was the only black person at the table, all the other friends just like, what is wrong with you? I can't believe you used that word. And I was like, calm down, everybody. Because for me, I took it as that's the teaching moment I need to give her. I cannot walk away and, and just be angry. I need to teach her you why you can't do that. And I think that's what's missing a lot right now is because people aren't willing to, to be angry and mad and be in each other's faces. So I, I and I explained to her because she, as it turns out, her father who was in the Navy, that's all he said about black people. That's, she said, well, I got that from my dad and I learned it from my dad. I actually, and she's a grown woman and she didn't realize that was a wrong word to say. So it blew me away. But, you know, those are the experiences that I've had is, I've allowed myself to be really uncomfortable and to hear uncomfortable things 
And instead of getting angry, I'll, if I give an opportunity, I'll pull you aside and I'll say, let's, let's, let's talk about this because this is wrong. And I would hope people would do the same for me. Yeah, thanks for talking. But we're still friends to this day because she understood, you know. I think it's harder to unlearn than to learn, you know. Any of you want to share some stories or your feelings on this? I mean, I definitely experienced the same sort of stuff as Allison, like growing up here. Um, it's crazy how many people on the West side um, just drop the N-word like it's normal. Um, and you, I don't know how to feel either because it's like, I know I'm black, but like they're also, a lot of them are darker skin. So it's just like, I don't know if that's a word that's been used against them. Uh, so I don't know if I should be like, hey, don't use that word or not because like you don't know how, in what ways people have been like, um, like what words have you used? been used against people but also like even growing up on the west side and dating like different race people it was interesting too because especially after what happened in Ferguson I was very like on edge of like um who can I trust to actually date because you don't know if they're gonna switch up on you and um end up being racist or their family being racist and whatnot and so it's still like kind of gets to me to this day because I'm always just like waiting for that other shoe to drop just like oh like even one time I dated someone who I think only dated black people which is super weird to me it made me feel like get out so um it was just a very strange experience so every new person that I'm with it's just like yeah I'm just waiting for the other shoe to drop and I've dated so many different races at this point, but it's interesting what conversations come out of it every single time and um, talking about our differences and where we came from. And because I'm from here, I guess I'm very different from Black people on the mainland. So I come off as more like um, white friendly, I guess, because of the way I speak. Um, so it's a bit different for me as well, but yeah. There's always that chance of things blowing up in your face or someone just dropping the N-word and you not knowing how to respond. Um, I'm glad for the protests that happened last summer that I participated in because it opened me up to being able to defend myself and speak up for myself, but still yet, like, I'm always on edge still. But it's good for plays like this to be out, um, to see, like a date like that play out in front of us and what kind of conversations come, could come from it because these are conversations we all should be having regardless. Wow, that, that's really loaded. And thank you for contextualizing. You know, you, your experiences are not just um, race related, but you know, you're, you're tackling issues of colorism and colonialism and all these embedded like tensions that we carry uh, from different cultural perspectives. So thank you for that. Yeah. Anybody else? Um, for me, um, like kind of going off of what Jordan said, uh, I didn't grow up out here. I grew up back in the mainland, uh, specifically Colorado. And like my, I have a large part of my family is from the South, from Mississippi specifically. Um, so like my whole life, I've grown up and you know seen 
seen race, racism face to face, um, come up and up close and personal with it, personally seen family members deal with it. Um, and, you know, with the, with the N word, uh, being knowing where I grew up, everyone knows that um, if you aren't black, you know, you shouldn't say. Um, so when I came out here for school, and, uh, you know, being exposed to the culture and everything out here, um, it was, you know, it was really cool. And then uh, I started to hear like a lot of people say the N word and um, it kind of like took me, like kind of threw me off at first because I wasn't used to people who um, who didn't look like me, uh, you know, say it like it was in their vocabulary regularly. Um, and but I kind of took it as a as a teaching moment, not only for them, but as myself, just to um, just to like hit that key point where it's like I didn't, you know, I'm not from here, so I'm not, I don't know how, you know, they got to the point to where it's um, you know, so regular for them to say it. They're like, you know, whether um, they've been called it themselves in a different context, or um, or how you know things got to that point, but um, I guess uh, specific. Uh, moment would be, you know, similar to Allison's. I was having dinner on campus with a few friends and um, a couple of them at the same time were singing a song and they all said the N-word in the song at the same time. And I kind of like choked on my food for a second, um, told them like, you know, they're not supposed to say that. Um, and come to find out, they were talking about how uh, they, they grew up with, you know, their parents saying it, their parents, friends saying it, you know, everyone in their neighborhood saying it, and they were, um, they're Filipino. And, um, and they were, they were used to so saying, saying it because um, it was said to them in a different context. And with the situation like that, um, I kind of took it as like, um, you know, maybe, you know, where, what, what should I say? You know, how should I say, um, you know, how, how, how can I approach situation? And um, I told them like, I get it was, you know, said to them in a different context, um, but it's like, it's it's a word, since it's a word that's uh, used so derogatory, um, you know, maybe try, you know, try their best not to say it. Um, and like, I even I even tell that to, you know, friends and family members who I know who say the word, because like, you know, there's, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of bad history behind the word um, so, you know, I try to, you know, tell people to, or educate people, you know, why they should uh, refrain from saying it so much, but, yeah. Is it surprising to you all that these issues are still so prevalent today? Like it hasn't really changed? Huh? No. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I keep saying that, like every time we did the play in my head, I was thinking, wow, I could be having this conversation like right now, the same conversation. And even the 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 conversation that Cleveland and Pearl have, it's like kids are having that same conversation right now, you know, which is like, hey, because <laughs> another experience. I've had so many friends who weren't black come to me because um, I do a lot of community theater. And I remember the first time it happened with one of my white friends and she was like whispering and she was like, you know, when I was younger, I dated a black guy. I never told my parents, but I was so scared. And she's like, I, 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 you think I should try to find him on Facebook? And I was like, girl, don't be getting me involved in this. If you want to find him, go and find him. You know? <laughs> so it's just like, 
I don't, yes, I, because people shouldn't be uncomfortable to just be who they are. You know, I, I will, my, I have never bought into letting somebody outside of my house dictate to me who I should love and who I should date, who my kids should love and date. You know, um, my, my daughters have all dated whoever they wanted and we don't treat anybody differently. My husband, like, I don't care what color you are. Cause my husband is Mexican. So we both come from homes where, you know, cause his mother, you know, unfortunately got rest her soul. She did not like me when she first met me because I was black. So I've experienced it within my own family that, and it was hard to work through. Um, we did come to, I guess you say some kind of meeting where she, and it amazed me where she apologized to how she had treated me really badly for several years when we first met. And, you know, I was like, okay, fine, you know, but yeah, it, it's difficult because I just really believe that we just got to stop avoiding these conversations. People have to start talking to each other. And it's, you know, I t- keep telling my daughter because, you know, she grew, my daughter, Emily, my youngest was born and raised here. And we talk about all the time she went to Campbell where the N word was just like, she heard it every day. Wow. So, and you I know, went to Campbell too. <laughs> And, and uh, yeah, okay. Oh yeah, that's right. You did say that. And so, you know, she, the first time it happened, you know, she was upset and, and I was like, well, you can't fight everybody. I said, but do it like this, you know, pull him aside. Don't embarrass him. And I said, I don't care how big he is. You get in his face and you tell him, if you're going to be my friend, don't use that word around me. So she said she had to do that because she hung out with a couple like um, football players because they, they had a very huge, diverse crowd of friends. And so she said, yeah, she did it to a couple guys. And she said when they're off on their own, they're just like, OK, I'm sorry. You know, so um, it's one of those things. I'm like, you there's know, a lot just- of social pressure going on. Right. But what's crazy is that, you know, racism in Hawaii, we tend to think that it's lesser, you know, compared to the mainland or whatever it means to even compare. But please like help me confirm that this is you know colorism and racism is very alive and kicking here in Hawaii and we don't tend to like to put that in the surface because it's like oh well well, no this is one big happy aloha place we don't have that we don't have racism um I think you're right (laughs) it feels different here though I can tell you right now because coming you know being born and raised in the mainland coming here the racism Racism in the mainland is way different than it is here. Yeah. Because there, it's terrifying. Like, there's literally neighborhoods I would not even go near. I don't feel that way in Hawaii. Mm. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah, I think the thing is, like, people here won't, like, exactly tell it to your face, especially in an aggressive way. On the mainland, it's, like, a different story. But here, it's just, like, a lot of microaggressions that sometimes you'll even miss yourself. Like at Campbell specifically, which should be a case study, um, there was literally <laughs> a tree at the school and it was next to Saber Hall and they called it the N-word tree. Oh. Like I was a freshman and when I heard that, I was like, um, what? <laughs> like I just had to take a moment. Like it kind of, that name sort of like wore off over the next two years, but like, calling a tree something like that was very odd and it was mostly because a lot of the black football players would hang underneath it like during lunchtime and whatnot and um 
there was a big issue where there would be a riot every now and then because called Polly's versus Blacks. And it was because the football players could not argue with each other during season. But once it was over, it was on. <laughs> wow. wow. See, there's so much here we don't know about, we don't hear about. Um, Toshiko, you, you're in New Zealand, but you are you usually here on campus if it wasn't for COVID that you're back home is tell me a little bit about your background and yes. you know being um part asian how does that how does that you know shape who you are and how do you see these racial tensions based on that and like give us a little backdrop of like how you know if your your parents had these issues with you that you had couldn't date certain people or did you have any of these experiences um growing up in new zealand i went to a school that was um like heavily white um, I did experience quite a bit of racism. I remember I had a crush on this one guy and all my friends were like trying to like get us to talk together, but he was like, oh no, she's Asian. Like, I don't want to talk to her. So there was a bit of that kind of stuff, which um, once I moved to Hawaii, I because it's such a big diverse place, I didn't experience that kind of um, same racism. But uh, yeah, I'd say in New Zealand, it's a bit more common. Wow. Yeah. You're doing a lot. Um, so yeah, I mean, going back to like what well, that the Asian side of things. Well, I mean, that because right now there's a lot of recent anti-Asian violence and tension too. So that kind of complicates things, right? Before it was always just Black Lives Matter, and now it's like, okay, well, what's the Afro-Asian tension, and how do why are we pit against each other? And what is it rooted in? You know, nobody really kind of, now people are finally kind of reckoning with this whole white supremacist structure that's built these tensions. Um, and I don't know if any of you wanted to share like what, how that is kind of a new way of, uh, or not new, um, but an important thing to connect to all the shitty things that are coming. Sorry, I shouldn't be swearing on my own radio show, but you know, all the, all the horrible things that are going on right now. I think it's interesting because like growing up in Hawaii, it is like heavily an Asian community. So that's basically who I grew up around is basically who helped raise me. And um, but for some reason, like I didn't take the time to learn all the history about everything that was going on. And even what history was presented was it was very minuscule. Um, it was always like white history is bigger, black history is bigger. And so learning like delving more into that gray area is something that only like really struck me like in the past like two years like and I felt bad about it I was like oh wow I really need to learn about like my Asian friends and like their history and whatnot uh and so hearing about all this violence that's going on and the fact that it's been going on for so long uh, alongside Black people and the fact that there is a lot of tension between uh, Black people and Asian people, it's just really sad. Uh, but I was more than happy to like participate in the rallies that went on here, um, the Stop uh, Asian Hate rallies, and um, just to conversate with people and learn about a different history of pain that I wasn't really aware of. And to take part um, directing this play and reading the words that you wrote, it also gave me a lot of insight into just a whole different story. So I was like, it's really humbling to learn just like a different side of history that's been buried for so long. 
Definitely. Yeah, I agree with uh, what Jordan said. And like, um, you know, speaking personally, like, you know, in the schools in high school and, uh, you know, grades before that, before I came out here, um, you know, we never learned about, you know, their side of history. And, uh, and if we did, it was very small and, you know, looked over really fast. Um, and I feel like that's because, you know, majority of the time, you know, we do look at um, the, the white, the white side of history, you know, and even when, you know, the schools I went to, even when we talked about uh, black history, you know, it was always repetitive, you know, it was never looked at deep. And there was always the same things like slavery, slavery ended, civil rights movement and the segregation, you know, things are good, you know, quote unquote, um, when that's, you know, that's not really the case. And I think it's, you know, it's important to, you know, to dive deeper, not only in, um, you know, history, you know, not only in that history, but in history that, you know, we aren't aware of and, you know, history that affects um, people that are around us, especially uh, living in a place, you know, like Hawaii that's so, you know, heavily has a heavy Asian community um, it's, I think it's important to be able to, you know, take the time to, um, you know, dive into that history so you can, you know, understand more what's going on and um, why it is that, you know, they, you should, we should stand together in a time like this instead of, you know, having so much animosity towards one another. Yeah, thanks. So, you know, again, to recap for people who are just tuning in or haven't, we're missed out the first part is um, you're all the cast and the director of this um, upcoming performance uh, at the UH theater department's late night show and um, in this scene unpacking issues and, and sometimes uncomfortable issues of race relations between the African and Asian community. Um, what are some ways you hope that this scene can open up these uh, a larger conversation on what we're dealing with today? Um, I guess one thing I hope it, the, I, I hope the scene sparks a bunch of uncomfortable conversations because it's important to have those uncomfortable conversations and it, having those conversations break down, you know, walls that need to be broken down and help people, um, move forward in the right direction instead of, you know, staying where they see as, you know, being comfortable or, you know, safe, um, and you know, being able to have those conversations, learn something, and then take what you learn and be able to you know bring someone else into the fold and you know educate them to where it's a becomes a you know ongoing process. You know, teaching one another, I think, um, is important. So I definitely hope that comes from this scene. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, I think. Um education is definitely an important one from this project i've learned a lot about um the jim crow laws that were present in the 1940s which i wasn't familiar with and i feel a lot of the education system we have today kind of conceals like the true events that happened to some um some people during that time and especially with like the black lives matter movement i learned so much more than what i had learned from school and i think education definitely for people that aren't from African-American culture is super important. So hopefully that will, yeah, spark some people to look more into, you know, these situations. Yeah. Yeah, it's honestly, you don't have to go on a date with someone to get to know someone. And um, 
I feel like a lot of people wait until they're confronted with something different in order to like really engage with it. And like right now, everyone's being confronted with everything all at once. And a lot of people are overwhelmed by it, but like the best thing to do is to embrace it and just have those kinds of conversations because ultimately that's the only thing that's really gonna bring um, us together. Like, especially like BIPOC communities, um, like we all share a lot of scars, but a lot of them are similar in a lot of ways. And like the more that uh, we touch base with one another, the more we become really like a real united country. And I think one easy way to do it is through creativity, right? Through access of the arts and performing uh, and giving off these platforms for people to contemplate things on, in a, you know, yeah, in a more creative kind of setting. So um, I guess I thank, I'd like to thank the um, UH theater department for offering this space for us to explore, right? Does anybody want to kind of um, give the details of how and when this uh, performance takes place? I can do that. Um, so the performances start on uh, April 30th and they run through uh, May 1st and May 2nd. Uh, they start at 9.30 p.m. on April 30th and May 1st and 7.30 p.m. on May 2nd. Uh, the ticket prices range from $5 to $10. And of course, if you're a student on campus, you get a discount, so it's only $5. And just to clarify, this is one of five, is it right, five different scenes that are going to be performed that night? Yeah, there's quite a few different ones. I think this is the one with this sort of subject matter, but um, I know other ones involve like the LGBTQIA plus community as well. So it'll be a very fun night full of interesting stories. Uh, so please come out while running out the clock. Um, late night theater is awesome. They definitely touch on harder topics that you don't see in the daylight. So yeah, please come and watch. Sure. Right. Thank you so much. Wait, Allison, yeah. did you have something to say? Yeah, I was going to say before we go, Toshiko, my daughter recognized you. She goes, she's a shooting star. My daughter was in the shooting stars. Emily. <laughs> wow. Oh, so yeah. Oh so this, and when she said that, I go, wait, what? You're so quiet. You have to be like a tri triple threat to be in shooting stars. Wait, so. I don't know anything about this. What is shooting stars? <laughs> oh, tell me. What am I missing? Um, it's a program at Diamond Head Theater. Oh, okay. Oh. It's not just a like program, <laughs> it's for like the who's who of young people who perform. <laughs> around the island <laughs> you can never assume things from the surface right you know right? <laughs> yeah so you guys are all loaded with stuff and i can't wait to see this performance that you guys are working on um starting this friday and thank you so much for sharing your personal experiences too because it just adds so much depth and and texture to what we're grappling with really appreciate that and good luck break a leg look forward to the performance on late night theater Okay. Thank, Thank, you. You. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thanks, guys. Take care.